Hello and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes in Magic the Gathering. I'm Frederick, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Will. Yes, that's right. It's Gutshot, the natural one of Magic the Gathering content creation. <laughs> Fred, how's it going today? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, been doing algebra all morning, which kind of sucks, but uh, I have been enjoying Adventures in the Forgotten Realms when I've had time to play it, uh, and I have been uh i have a new co-worker at my work who plays magic and we played a couple games i was it was like his training shift yesterday i was kind of showing him the ropes except he already really knew what he was doing so we played a couple games of magic and that was pretty cool um nice, so nice. yeah things are things are pretty good i've been loving adventures in the forgotten realms draft i will say i've only gotten two drafts in but they've been very fun and i've um like gotten more than enough gems from each to play another one so i don't know if this is going to be a free roll set for me i'm pretty excited Oh, that's that's pretty cool. So your new coworker, are they? So you're a very entrenched, uh, you know, life or magic player. Are they just like a more casual player, or did they surprise you with like you know a deep like uh, magic knowledge? So he's um he's like an old school player. He's in his forties, um, and he started playing with um <clears throat> like alpha, beta, unlimited, revised. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he has two sets of Power 9 that he's saving for when it's time to send his kids to college. Um, and he uh, he plays a lot of, um, he has a lot of, like, casual decks from different eras. Like, that's his favorite way to play. And he showed me, what he, what he played with was his Eldrazi deck from uh, Zendikar. So it was Zendikar block constructed, basically. But it was, it was yeah. a pretty good deck. It played, you know, it had Growth Spasm. It had multiple copies of each of the Eldrazi Titans. And most notably, it had a playset of Eldrazi Temples and a playset of Ayavugans. So, you yeah, know, my yeah. modern deck actually, it, it, it held its own against my modern deck. <laughs> um, oh, but it was yeah, some so fun games. That is a bit more, like, that's a bit higher level than I would expect from, oh, I, you know, found a coworker that, that played Magic. I've been in that situation before, and it's always a mm -hmm. lot of fun. Uh, but let's be honest, in those situations, it's usually like 60 card kitchen table you know casual yeah. deck that can't stand up to you know your entrenched decks oh that that's really cool man i hope uh, you all get to um play a little bit more yeah yeah i'm pretty excited um once he's done with training there's only one person on the front desk at a time so probably won't happen much but i told him if he switches a couple of cards out of the list he can come down to uh thursday night modern at my at our lgs so i'm hoping that'll happen that is that is super cool. Well, as you mentioned, uh, this weekend has been the release for the new set, Dungeons and Dragons: Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And uh, you said that you played a little bit this weekend. I wanted to play a lot more than I was able to, but I got uh, two sealed pools in there. And yeah, let's just go ahead and talk about our experience with the new set, Fred. It seems like you're finding a lot of. Um, uh, what's the term, um, uh, success uh, with the new set. Why don't you tell us about the drafts that you did and how you feel about the format so far? Yeah, so the first draft that I did, I honestly feel like I could have gotten seven wins if I'd paid more attention to like what dungeon was the best to get at what point in the game because mm -hmm. I, I drafted a, a black-white venture deck uh, with the, my first set, of, with my first draft. Um, and with my first few drafts, I try to play like as many different cards as I can to get a feel for how they play and like decide what I like and what I don't like. And in terms of things that surprisingly overperformed, the the equipment that gives death touch and lets you drain them for two when you swing alone was a, an all star. Um, as well as just like like you can put that on any little creature and it'll be really strong. Uh, the hawk that can pay three and tap itself and another creature to venture to the dungeon is really good. And then I got uh, two copies of the black-white uncommon legendary 
that ventures when it comes in, and then when it swings, if you've completed a dungeon, um, you return a creature with CMC three or less from your graveyard to play. Uh, yeah, and it was I, just I kind of a that. yeah, it was just kind of a value engine. Um, so that deck was really sweet. And then the second draft, I actually just had like blue green good stuff. I first picked the wizard class, like that was my first pick uh, in pack one. Um, and then the next pack or the next pick was I picked an Owlbear, uh because there weren't any good cards in that uh, pack or any good blue cards in that pack. And, you know, I figured you can't go wrong with Owlbear. Turns out I was right. Ended up with four Owlbears in the deck and Owlbear is really good. Uh, and then, you know, I had some draw cards, my, my little blue two drops. Uh, and then, you know, the wizard class, which just sort of seals up the game in the late game. Uh, and it was it was a, it was a pretty nasty deck. I think that deck actually had zero rares. Uh, and I was able to get to like five wins with it, which was pretty sweet. Five or six. I don't remember. You were really high on Owlbear when we talked about it during our uh, spoiler episode. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's uh, living up to the expectation you thought it would have. Yeah, yeah, and limited for sure. Uh, and in standard, I've been playing uh, Black White Adventures um, with uh, four Acerarak. So you try to um, complete the... Um, the uh, Tomb of Annihilation as quickly as possible, so you can have your three mana five five that makes two twos when it attacks, uh, and then you play like of course the Paladin that uh, when it comes in or attacks uh, you venture, and then you play like the Venture Removal spell and the um, the Gargoyle that's a three four flyer if you've completed a dungeon, and when it comes in you adventure, and that 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 deck is actually pretty great. I've I've actually had quite a bit of success with it. So the card that you mentioned first, is that the one that bounces if you haven't uh, completed mm -hmm. a uh, dungeon and then you can like do things to like uh, take advantage of that? Yeah, it bounces specifically if you haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation. So you have to do that one first. Yeah. But yes, that 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 is the one. That Well, that seems pretty good. Um, yeah. I um, Did you see anybody doing the uh, pat, uh, Platinum Haven uh, trick? Is that something that your deck wants to wants to do or did you see any of that? I did not do the Platinum Haven trick. Um, I did not see a lot of that. From what I understand, that's mostly happening in the standard 2022 queue now. Okay. Um, okay. Where it's only the most recent four sets because there's just way less answers to it there. And it's always best of one. Um, so I actually, I ran into very little of that. I think I played against it. Or I played against the deck trying to do that once or twice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For those that don't know about this, um, there is the um, the creature land from Kaldheim Faceless Haven, which, uh, you know, you pay three snowman and it turns into a four three. And there is a new mythic um, from the D&D set uh, book of it's the white book book of book of exalted uh, deeds exalted deeds when it comes into play you put a counter on a creature and that counter basically turns the creature into a platinum angel um your opponent can't win the game and you can't lose the game so what people are doing is they are uh, animating their land putting that counter onto faceless haven and then allowing faceless haven to uh revert back into a non-creature land and then it just sits there and then, you know, you have yeah. to do something about that non-creature land uh, before you're able to win the game. Well, I'm glad to hear that that's not just, like, the absolute best thing you can you can be doing. It sounds like you had a lot of fun. I'm glad you had a good experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did your sealed pools go? What'd you build? What'd you play? How'd you do? Ooh. Oh, man, it was bad. Uh, and I think it's more <laughs> that I think it's more uh, my skill and um, um, up to dateness with like what's good in the set. Um, I, I think I opened reasonable pools. I just didn't have much luck with them. Uh, both times I played a, a blue black base. Uh, the first one, I think I splashed green for um, ochre jelly. Um, the one, you know, it's like a green and X and then it like yeah. dies, it splits. That was a good card when I was able to play it. 
that. Uh, and it had a um, a minor um, dice rolling theme. I had a lot of dice rolling, like uh, blue and black or blue spells. And then you know the um, the Kark's thumb for uh, rolling. That's a one three flyer. And mm-hmm. then one and then one of the cards that gives you a one one flyer whenever you roll a die. Um, and it topped out with a wizard spell book. So you know I made sure I had a um, a dungeon map and I was at eighteen lands, so I could make sure that I could reasonably ramp into wizard spell book because that would be a lot of value, especially in a spell heavy oh, yeah. um, uh, deck. You know because once you hit it, you could just you know keep tapping it, keep rolling die, and basically just play all your spells over again um and i did get a natural 20 with the um with the wizard spell book one time with a bounce spell and a kill spell in my graveyard that felt pretty nice but i think Uh, overall the deck was just kind of um um it just wasn't really all that powerful at the end of the day you know if i'm trying it it felt more like a like a draft deck um and just playing against sealed decks that were just trying to play bomb after bomb after bomb i just don't i didn't think it had the inherent power to to pull through so i went two three on that one and then the one i did this morning who man i went zero three it was bad i don't think my deck I don't think my deck was bad. I think it was just one of those things where just I probably just built a subpar deck. Um, again, it was blue black. Um, uh, probably leaning a bit bit more black because I had the um, uncommon black um, uh, dragon. Uh, you know, the one that gives minus three minus three when it comes into play. Uh, yes. And one of the blue ones too, but it was it was more heavy black. But it, it was uh, uh, leaning a lot more on like tap tar- uh, target creature. It doesn't untap, and um, you know, just kind of middling commons and uncommons. So um, the deck wasn't bad. But it was just wasn't at the power level it needed to be, and uh, I, I'm sure I built it, you know, poorly and uh, played it poorly. But um, yeah, so so that's how that went. I am still excited for the set, though. I, I have to say, I like what's going on. Uh, Venture seems to be at the exact right power level it needs to be uh, for limited, and uh, I am I'm probably done with sealed uh, for the time being. But once the uh, quick drafts open up, I think I'll dive right back in uh, at least for a little bit. I did that with Strixhaven, and. and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it that way, so I think I'll do the same. Okay, yeah, I would recommend it for sure. I like the sets limited in format. I was going to complain about the die rolls, and your story reminded me. I rev rolled one nat 20 as well, and it was um, the thing, the vigilance creature that when it attacks, you roll a, nat, you roll a die, and the nat 20 lets you gain five life. Um, <laughs> so not quite as explosive, and I have uh, lost a game to someone who rolled two nat 20s. Um, so that felt pretty bad. Yeah, that's 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 tough. But I guess that's part of the fun. I mean, that's part of why people love D and D so much. Just you know, that game is because when you get those natural twenties, it just feels so good. It creates um, stories you want to talk about, right? I guess that's true. But when it's an adversarial game, where like it kind of takes the strategy out of it, I don't know. I'm not. Sure. A, I'm not a fan. But I, I, I tell you what, I do not want to have this conversation right now because I've been hearing this conversation online about whether the dice rolls are like you know good for you know uh, competitive games such as Magic, and I just I do not want to have that conversation with anyone. Uh, okay, <laughs> so, next episode. <laughs> okay, well let's move on to our main topic where we're going to be talking about decks that we're excited about and playing uh, now. You know that you know. But before we do that, um, let's go ahead and do our engagement here. Uh, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Gut Shot. It means a lot to us. You know, episode in, episode out, you coming in and seeing what we're doing. If you like what we're doing here, please like the YouTube video. Um, the bell icon's there if you want notifications of when we put out new content. Uh, subscribe to the channel for more of that juicy Gut Shot content. And more than anything, we want to hear what you have to say. What do you think about the decks that we're talking about today? What do you think about um, how we're approaching the new set? Um, do, you, do you like what we're saying? Do you, do you disagree with us? Let us know. Leave a comment in the YouTube uh, comments below, or you can tweet at us at GutShotPod. And I definitely want to read any comments or uh, uh, complaints, uh, questions, um, anything like that. I want to read that on the air. Uh, so that being said, we are going to talk about two decks that we are both super excited about. Um, it, we're kind of approaching two different formats here. I um, uh, played, I, we talked about this before, I played a ton of 100 card historic brawl in the event that happened about two weeks ago. So I want to talk about my philosophy going into uh, Winota joining our forces for historic brawl. Now, Fred, you have been super excited about a modern deck and mm -hmm. uh, I went hear i want to hear all about what you are doing in modern these days okay yeah uh, i think you should go first i'm excited to to sort of break this down to learn what a hardcore winota um commander and brawl and historic brawl player uh how, what your thinking process is for building this deck because you have put in the reps with this commander Oh, yes, absolutely. And I have some uh, strong opinions about Winoda and how it should be played in Historic Brawl. So uh, we talked about this on a previous episode, but Winoda Joiner of Forces was unbanned in Historic Brawl at the same time that the format was, uh, quote, temporarily, but probably uh, you know uh, permanently, increased to 100 cards. So the uh, recent 100 card Historic Brawl event that we had, um, Winoda was available. And I played the hell out of her. I played this deck almost exclusively, and I, I don't know what my win percentage is. I wasn't tracking my losses, unfortunately, but in but inside the client, I was able to see that I won uh, about 170 games with this deck. So um, I have a lot to say about this deck. Yeah, uh, start saying. <laughs> uh, I... In the quest to build the most optimal Winota deck, I uh, looked at a lot of deck lists that people were were putting out uh, for this, and I didn't like a lot of the ones that I saw. Um, I, I do believe that most of the Winota decks that I saw posted for this event were fundamentally misbuilt. Um, there were a lot of uh, bizarre choices in these in these decks, like uh, Hero of Precinct 1, which is a, a two-mana 2-2 two -two human. Um, that is a good card if you're playing, you know, um, lots of uh, multicolored decks, but I don't really think fits with the main game plan of a Winota deck. And, and stuff like um, Hazda Marshall, a one-mana 1-1 one -one human that is good if you're attacking with a lot of creatures, but is not exactly something uh, just like Hero of Precinct 1 is not really something you want to get off of a Winota trigger, right? Yeah. You want, um, you want, yeah. Well, real quick, for those who don't know, you might want to read what Winota does so that while you're while we're explaining the rest of the deck, it kind of makes more sense for people sure. who don't know. Yes, okay, all right. Uh, Winota Joiner Forces, a uh, mythic from Ikoria, which is about to rotate out standard, actually. Uh, four mana, two generic, one red, one right. So this is a Boros commander. Uh, legendary creature, human warrior. It is a 4-4, four, four, um, but the main sauce of this is a triggered ability that it has 
Whenever a non-human creature you control attacks, look at the top six cards of your library. You may play. Uh, you may put a human creature card from uh, among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Put the rest of them on the bottom of your library in a random mm -hmm. order. Um, so if you really want to use Winota to good effect, you uh, want to be playing a lot of cheap early non-humans either in card form or in to uh, token form and then mm -hmm. on turn four or as soon as you can play winota attack with a bunch of you know just rinky dink non-humans and just slam in huge expensive game winning uh humans from the top of your deck and, and then uh, you know those are indestructible so it doesn't even uh you know they, they could be chump block but it doesn't really matter it's just it's a very powerful effect that is very easy to just win off of one big attack um the decks that I was seeing, and that's part of why I didn't really like a lot of the decks that I was seeing, it was clear that they were built in more of a good stuff way with lots of cards that um, were good for a, a longer prolonged game and multiple swings. I was seeing tons of cards that were like, oh, when this and so many other uh, creatures attack, you get this good effect. Which is mm -hmm. a good effect, but that effect doesn't happen when you get that creature off of Winota and put it in the play. Now, those aren't all bad creatures, but you could tell that they were put into the deck expecting multiple swings with Winota, multiple attack phases. Um, I think that that's the wrong way to approach it. The brawl pairing algorithm is ensuring that Winota, which is you know earmarked as a very powerful um, commander for mm -hmm. good reason, is almost exclusively matched up against five color good stuff decks. This is your Golos, which was um, also uh, unbanned uh, with the, the the recent announcement. Five color Niv Mizzet, um, uh, Eska, God of the Tree, um, even even Kennen, which is not you know five color but it's also something that is um a, a much longer you know uh longer style game that you cannot actually beat their end game you are the aggro deck when you're playing against these decks um mm -hmm. and in my experience you cannot assume that you're going to get tons of different attack triggers that you're going to get multiple swings with your creatures more often than not all your creatures are just going to die immediately including winota so that all that being said i believe that my version which is up on the screen you know the full list is um the <coughs> most like the best positioned against the decks that this deck would most likely be paired against it's very streamlined to abuse winota as uh, as soon as possible and you often you want to make sure that one swing with Winota is enough to win you the game, or at least get you within like a step or two of winning the game. Do not assume that you're going to get multiple multiple swings uh, with uh, all these value creatures. You're not going to. Your opponent has thirty board wipes. It's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I'm focusing on one drops, uh, token producers, and the hardest hitting humans available. Um, it seems like a good way to approach this deck, right, Fred? Yeah, I agree. I think just approaching it like your opponent's going to have an answer, so you need to try to win the turn that you first trigger Winota is a really good way to look at it. And I, it seems pretty obvious to me, flicking through the list, that that's you know what this is built around. There were a lot of cards that kind of surprised me until I realized, like you know, like the four, like the the flight of um, the Equinauts, mm -hmm. um, the 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 flying convoke creature. Like that card was like decent and limited, but wouldn't go anywhere near even a standard deck. But like. 
it actually does make a lot of sense here because it's technically a human. It's got that Allosaurus rider thing going on where its creature type is the thing riding it, even though it feels like it shouldn't be. I don't know if that's yeah. just me. Um, but it's technically a human, and it's a 4-5 flyer, and that's one of the bigger bodies you're going to be able to get on a human. Uh, and it's sort of the same thing with, like, obviously you're... you're I, I'm guessing here that your best hits off of Winota are things like, um, like a Blade Historian would probably be up there. Uh, Angrath's Marauders as well, mm -hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there are a couple. There are a couple of humans that are the best, mm -hmm. but then you know there are like the lower tier and then a lower tier there. But I really work to make those tiers as close together as possible. Yeah. Do you miss um, not having Agent of Treachery? Because uh, playing Winota and Historic gives you Agent of Treachery, but you can't play blue cards in this deck. Um, so I actually, when Winota was um, illegal and historic, I played a ton of Winota, but I never played the Agent of Treachery version. I actually, for for a certain, um, for a similar reason as this, looking at that deck, I thought I would rather just win the game on the spot. You know, just like instead of like playing Agent of Treachery, which is good. That's a very you know um a powerful play pattern but i'm thinking why not just put in creatures that are you know creatures that are just going to de you know win with combat damage and i felt that that was a um a a reasonable way to go it so i was never like super on the agent treachery train to begin with so i'm um i don't really miss that at all um and uh, honestly would uh not really jive with what I'm trying to do with hmm. this version of the deck. But that that is good game for anybody that wants to try that. Yeah. Um so I guess like <clears throat> what is what is an average good game with this deck look like? Yeah, so um you spend your first couple of games or uh, first couple of turns playing uh small creatures. And I'm pulling those up on the um on the screen right now you want to load up on uh you know these small uh non-human creatures that are for the most part interchangeable you know i hate to say that i mean there are definitely some that are a little better than others but honestly just a just a cheap one drop that has marginal value beyond just being a one one for one is good enough and then um as you get up to four mana you play um you know token producers like a raise the alarm or a, a hanged executioner and um, of course you want to play Winota on um, turn four. And if you're able to do that, that's usually game. If your opponent just cannot mm -hmm. do anything against you. Um, but these five color good stuff decks will often, you know, keep up, you know, um, kill spell mana or um, counter spell mana on turn four. So that's when you kind of get into the bluffing game where you keep attacking, you know, three, four damage at a, uh, at a time because they're not doing anything against your cheap creatures because they're so afraid of Winota. And then I can kind of just you know, uh, dump out the, um, the humans that I draw, uh, in my, in my hand just naturally as kind of kill spell bait. Uh, and then I just kind of gauge the game to see kind of when their shields are down. And then when they are, I can either, I, I can drop one node and just have that be game, or I can just keep playing that game. And then they have to eventually do something about my rinky dink one ones. Right. Right. And you have a lot of lines of play where like, you know, they have to waste removal on your 1-1s, but even if they do, like, you know, it's only 7 mana to drop Winota and 3-drop Chandra and get 2 triggers off of Winota that turn from an empty board. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, like, that'll that'll do it to them sometimes, it seems like. 
Yeah, sometimes you can even get them with the play Winota onto a empty board and then next turn hit the Scampering Scorcher and get three uh, Haste one ones, and that's usually pretty good game as well. Um, so while we're talking about this, I have my non-humans up on the uh, screen here, um, and I just want to highlight a few of these that I think are, are really fun to play with, that this is a particularly good home for uh legions landing you know enchantment that comes into play uh, and gives you a one one and then later transforms if you're attacking with lots of small creatures that is one of the that that's a really good one drop uh for this deck and that land usually ends up meaning something not for making tokens per se but just mm -hmm. giving you that little bit of ramp towards the end of the game when you're trying to play that bluffing game with your five color good stuff opponent that's pretty good game um Sacred Cat, uh, the common from Almond Cat, that's just a 1-1 one, one that you can uh, pay one uh, white to embalm and get the 1-1 one, one back. That is really good. Um, these small, there's only a few of them, but there's a couple of small creatures that can kind of replace themselves. A Grim Initiate uh, from War of the Spark that lets you amass one when it dies. Those are one of the better one drops that you can get. So a Sacred Cat has been an all-star in this deck. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Izumaru, Hound of Konda. I remember remember because i was playing back then champions of kamigawa everyone was super excited for a vanilla one or a vanilla two two creature for one mana and for some inexplicable reason we got it in uh in historic <laughs> and i think that this is by far the best deck for that card it's it's a cool card, but it just doesn't really fit in all that many places. And Isamaru is it's really cool to get on turn one, and this is probably the best the card's ever been in the entirety of Magic is in this <coughs> deck. So glad I'm finally able to put it to good use. Um, there's Stone Coil Serpent, and I, I don't need to tell you all, especially standard players, how good uh, Stone Coil Serpent is. It's um, X yeah. for a zero zero. You get that many um, plus one plus one counters on it, and then it has Reach, Trample, and Protection from Multicolored. You play it early, you play it late. It's just so good, and it's a non-human. Um, Adanto Vanguard, this is probably the best two drop in the entire mm -hmm. deck. Being able to pay for life for indestructible really helps against these good stuff decks that are just trying the hardest they can to kill everything you have. And there are definitely a ton of games that I won just because I was able to aggressively keep Adanto Vanguard alive. So great card. I would not play this deck without that. Um, this is a card that took a little bit for me to get onto, but once I saw how good it was, I, I couldn't think about playing without it. Wily Goblin finally got its due when um, uh, the um, Goblin deck became super good in, um, uh, in Historic with a Muxa. Uh, yeah, this is Muxus' right-hand man. <laughs> exactly. But this card's good here, too. You play a one-drop, you play Wily Goblin on two, you get the treasure token, you play Winoda on turn three, you start putting in those humans. That is, you know, that's definitely a very um, powerful line of play, even if your opponent has, um, you know, the removal necessary. And if you're on the play, man, that's just that's such an aggressive start. So I love Wily Goblin in this deck. And, and one more non-human I want to highlight here is Skyclave Apparition. Uh, you know, if you play modern, you don't need me to tell you how good this card is, but it does <laughs> double duty in this deck as a non-human that you can play on three and is super good removal. It's just like one of those cards that it's just everything about it is so good for this deck that it's never a card you 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 never don't want to see this card. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah. I have strong <laughs> yeah. feelings about that card. Um, it was all so my my jam in standard and historic for a while has been um, 
Outlaws mirroring it, and that card is just one of the few cards that everyone's playing in their white decks that can just answer it really easily. So it's yeah. just a little demoralizing that that card is as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. Um, so moving on to the humans, uh, and I got a lot to say about this because I think that these humans are where a lot of people stumble with this deck. So um, I, like I said, I went the hardest hitting uh, humans possible. So I'm focusing on cards that can deal four damage and up so either you know four power or have like a, you know you know different iterations a double strike or something like that and um as you can see on the screen i have loaded up on the four drop slot and i've done mm -hmm. that for a reason um it because it's such good removal bait for those times when i think that they're going to have the answer to Winota. So, um, you know, if if I'm on turn four, I've got my non-human creatures, and I think that they're holding something up, I can, you know, attack my non-humans, chip in for three, four damage, and then play a, like a Fireborn Knight or a true Fire Captain on the four drop slot instead of Winota, then they have to deal with that, um, you know, that four drop while I still have Winota in the bag to drop whenever I need to. Uh, and then I can gain, um, you know, a couple of turns. I can gain some land drops. Uh, it gives me the ability to play Winota, you know, um, you know, uh, two turns in a row if I need to. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really valuable to have that kind of removal counterspell bait at the four drop spot. And I have a few of these I want to highlight, uh, you know, that have worked particularly well for me. Um, Elite Spellbinder. Again, if you play Magic, you don't need me to tell you how good Elite Spellbinder is. This is a lot like Skyclave Apparition, where you don't hate getting Elite Spellbinder off of Winota, even though it doesn't hit as hard as the others. Um, but it is three man or is three damage in the air and Elite Spellbinder. I don't ha hate having it in my opening hand and just playing it, you know, um, turn one, play a 1-1, one, one, turn two, play a 1-1, one, one, turn three, play Elite Spellbinder, and then see if the way is open for a Winota on turn four. So again, just like Skyclave Apparition, it's a great card to, um, uh, you know, everything about it just works really well for the stack. Um, uh, you, you, you were talking about uh, Flight of Equinauts, which is uh, you know not a card you would play anywhere else, um, but, yeah. works, but works in the deck. My actual favorite card in the deck that fits that description is a Spike Wheel Acrobat. Do you remember this card? Yeah, I remember playing it. If it's the card I'm thinking of, I remember playing it in Limited. It has um, it has a Spectacle, and it's just like a 5-2 Spectacles for 2 or 3, right? Exactly, yeah. It's a 4-mana 5-2 <laughs> with no other text other than its spectacles for 2 and a red. So you can deal damage to your opponent, and then you can play Spike Wheel Acrobat at, uh, for 3-mana. This, man, this hits so hard. I, I, I am never unhappy to see this on top of Winota just because it does so much damage, especially paired with a Blade Historian or an Angrath's Marauders. And again, this is like the perfect deck for this card. I'm never Never unhappy uh, to see it. Um, this deck actually has a small first strike theme, and you can see that I have um, the um, uh, Mono White Dominaria uh, Legend Quinde Pride of Fimereth, uh, which is a 2 2 with double strike and gives all of your creatures that have first strike double strike. So it just adds a little bit. It, it's another four mana, deals four damage on its own, but actually adds a little extra oomph to the rest of my 
Alien-like creatures, um, such yeah. as um, which I, was uh, Sir Alan the Lion's Claw. There's a few other of the small ones that have first strike, and that does get a little bit of extra damage um, in there. And, and one more um, human I want to highlight here. Um, if you look at the list, obviously these are all just hard-hitting humans, but I really want to highlight Lena, Selfless Champion, which I believe was printed somewhere else, but it came to Arena through Jumpstart. This is a six-mana, three-three human soldier. When it comes into play, you get one-one soldier uh, creature tokens based on how many non-token creatures you own, and then um, to simplify it, you can sacrifice Lena at any time to give all of your um, creatures two power and less uh indestructible until end of turn and i have definitely won games with lena being able to get her off the top make a bunch of tokens and then just sacrifice lena um uh, in response to the uh you know the upcoming board wipe and then just be able to swing with all just the regular tokens i got and close out the game lena is one of those cards that plays a lot better than it looks. So that's yeah. my um, that's my philosophy towards the humans in Winoda. And I, I think that this is a the better way to approach it. And I think that you would agree, Fred. Yeah, I think so. I think especially playing against the decks you're going to play in the high tiers. So you're probably the best Winoda player in the world. Uh, I would, hmm. <laughs> Why no Magda Brazen Outlaw? Yeah, yeah. So that is one of the cards that I know would be very good in this deck. Uh, and that's a point I wanted to make about the non-humans. That is the part of this deck that is the most interchangeable with a lot of different cards um, in the in the card pool. Um, there are lots of different substitutions uh, that you can make. And it's the part where you would really have to cut down on which cards you want to play because there are just other cards that you want to play. If you took that card and put this in, uh, put that into this deck, I'm sure it would be perfectly fine, but you would have to cut out another perfectly fine card that I would also want to play. I'd have to cut something like a Raise the Alarm or an Adanto Vanguard or, or something like that. So if I feel like changing this deck up, that's definitely a card I want to keep in mind, but there's also a lot of other good one and two drop non-humans that are cut from this list just because i'd rather play the pile that's already here you know it's, it's one of those it's one of those tough cuts you got to do the the humans not so much you you the humans is the tough part of this and where you have to stretch and get those flight of equinot cards to to fill out your your human slot i i have a little less leeway when it comes to that slot yeah that's fair uh i i, I will defer to you on this list it seems like you've tuned it pretty hard uh, but yeah, I uh, so what are these uh, other spells? There, there are some things I'm quite surprised to see in this section. Uh, okay, fair enough, and and I'll wrap up my discussion here. Um, I've said a lot about this. This is very sparse. Um, like I said, it's super streamlined. I want to play tons of non-humans and then swing and get humans. But you know, there are a few cards that just make sense to play. Got the um, got the arcane signet. Got ember cleave, which is just such a good card. You know, you you really need to be playing that in uh, any um, uh, red aggressive deck you're playing. But there are a lot of awesome historic only cards that I just wanted to play in this deck and do a lot of good work mana tithe uh one white <laughs> counter target spell unless it's controller uh, pays one 
this is just such a fun card. I just had to include it and it works pretty well. Your um, opponents will sometimes tap out for a, a sweeper. And if you think that's coming up, you can kind of um, uh, tune your play pattern to keep one mana up for your mana tithe. And it feels so good on like turn three, like uh, you pay, um, Turn one, play a one one. Turn two, um, play like a, a two two. On turn three, maybe play nothing or just play another one one. Uh, and your opponent's going to tap out for a four mana um, a sweeper, and you can get them with a the mana tithe and then drop Winota and win the game. That that's definitely a play <laughs> pattern that uh, exists with this, and it's just so fun to be able to just get your opponent with mana tithe. Uh, that also yeah, I said, bet that is satisfying. <laughs> This is the only format where you can play Lightning Bolt on uh, uh, in the Arena client. So, uh, and then Lightning Bolt don't need to tell you why Lightning Bolt's a good card. Um, you know, so just got Lightning Bolt in there. It does work every now and then. Swords to Plowshares is a great card, uh, and that is definitely something that deserves to be in this deck um, because you know one mana just deals with just any kind of problematic blocker or um, anything like that. Just a, super great. Then we got a couple of cards that just help protect our, our creatures. We've got a fight mm -hmm. is one kind of rinky dink uh, uh, production spell from Ikoria. Um, basically, it gives a non creature or it gives a non human and a human plus one plus one and indestructible. That's a pretty good game. God's willing, you know, protect uh, your Winoda or another creature and scry. Um, but then I have uh, two spells in here that um, basically give your entire board indestructible and these are a little harder to use but i do like them in the deck i i often draw these and never play them but during those games when i do actually get to play them they are very good uh, make, make a stand i think it gives all creatures plus one plus zero and indestructible and then unbreakable formation which if you play it during your main phase all your creatures get plus one plus one uh, uh get a plus one plus one counter um mm -hmm. again don't use that very often but it is there for when games would win because of that so other spells very sparse just a couple of really powerful spells and uh yeah so that is winota very streamlined i'm very proud of this deck um uh, one other thing i'll say i looked at uh the new dungeons and dragons set for cards that could go into this and the set really has nothing for uh, for mm. this deck no huge uh boros uh humans you want to cheat in and no uh like um uh like cheap creatures that would be better than the cheap creatures that i already have in this deck but i cannot wait for another opportunity to play this deck and i i've got it waiting I, i've got my philosophy i've got my deck list i am ready to dive back into that queue so uh yeah if you have if Tell me what you think about this deck. Do you like it? Do you, do you disagree with some of my choices? Put it in the comments below. And with that being said, Fred, I, I have I've spoken so long. I want to hear about what you're doing in modern. Yeah, so real quick, one last thing about the Winota deck. I think you should play the new man lands in it. Okay, the, okay that's, the that's fair. The den of the bugbear, uh, I think, is, is good enough. But uh, yeah, but I agree with you that probably nothing else from AFR is good enough. Anyway... Yeah, um, so I have been playing Modern in Paper for a couple weeks now. Um, down at my LGS, they're doing like a $5 entry. You get $5 store credit for every round you win, which is a pretty great deal. Uh, you know, I haven't left with less money. I haven't left. I haven't not left with more money than I have come in with uh, each week, uh, which is really nice. I've been kind of rolling into the tournaments. But this is the new Modern deck that I built with Modern Horizons 2. Um, I've been, as you guys might know, I've been playing Mono Green Devotion for years now. It is definitely, like, the deck that sort of is my identity as a player. Um, 
<coughs> but I also like playing three-color mid-range decks. Uh, you know, I've put in my time with Abzan, I've put in some time with Mardu, uh, and this teamer mid-range list really spoke to me. Uh, I like Shardless Agent. The few times I've played Legacy, uh, I've played, like, Shardless Bug, uh, just on, like, Cockatrice, somewhere where the cards are free. You know, I've, I've dabbled in the format. Uh, I really like Shardless Agent. And this teamer Crashcade list was going around where you play Shardless Agent and Violent Outburst and you always cascade into Crashing Footfalls because you don't play any actual 2-drop or less. I thought the list was cool, but I like to have 1 and 2-drops, and I like to be able to like have those to, um, to use in the beginning of the game. Uh, and I also don't want to just be completely dead to Baby Teferi. So I have just built a teamer mid-range list that hopes to uh, cascade into Crashing Footfalls or Ancestral Visions, but also plays other uh, one and two drops. Uh, and the list has been doing me very well so far. It has a lot of very good matchups, um, especially against other sort of fair mid-range decks. This is probably just the most value you can get uh, in modern right now. Uh, Bloodbraid Elf, Shardless Agent, etc. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been playing in modern, and uh, I guess we can go through the list now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Cascade, um, you know, tournament proven to be one of the most powerful things you can do. Um, you know, you have, <clears throat> excuse me, you have your um, deck, uh, your deck list restrictions, but I think that um, Cascade decks in the past have proven that those are a lot less, uh, a lot less uh, harmful. Uh, than we think and crushing footfall seems like a very very good card to cast a cascade into with these very good cascade cards like Charlotte's agent and blood bright elf so i'm not surprised that this deck has the legs to um you know uh put up a fight in the format yes it has uh, it has legs for sure so we'll go through the lands real quick first um <clears throat> just to like you know, because uh, just to like have that covered, there's twelve or there's ten fetches, four misty, four wooded foothills, two scalding tarn. I think you could mess with the numbers on these. These are just the ones I happen to own. Um, yeah, for those of you who might have missed the episode where I told the story, I pulled a uh, foil old border misty at the um, Modern Horizons two pre-release, and I traded it for a bunch of fetch lands. And you know, this is what I end up having. So um, anyway, those are the fetches. Uh, two Stomping Ground, one Steam Vents, one Breeding Pool. Again, probably would play two Steam Vents and two Breeding Pool. I just only happen to have one right now uh, of each uh, because I haven't been bothered to dig through my collection for the rest of them, and it hasn't burned me yet. There's only one card in this whole deck that has double pips, so it hasn't yeah. been a big issue. Uh, one Raging Ravine. Um, I'm considering taking this out because it, it feels bad that it's not fetchable and it comes in tapped, um, but it is in there for now. Um, one of each of the tapped snow duels from uh, Kaldheim, so a Highland Forest, a Rhinewood Falls, and a Volatile Fjord. Uh, a lot of lists like this, like especially the Bant Snow list, will only play one or two of these. I opted for all three because, like, turn one and two, I am often grabbing a tapped land off of a fetch anyway, and I like just being able to get to uh, my snakes having death touch as quickly as possible. Um, so I am playing all three of these. I might end up, like, for the second Steam Vents, cutting the Volatile Fjord. I'm not sure, but, um, that's a question to answer later. Uh, and then I'm playing, uh, six basic lands, two Snow-Covered Mountain, two Snow-Covered Island, and two Snow-Covered Forest. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's the mana base. Very simple. Uh, Will, what are your thoughts? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. This uh, just seems like a standard kind of teamer, uh, modern mana base. Uh, Nothing really surprising there. Um, Yeah, having the um, tap Snowlands, uh, you know, even just, you know, when you know that you're not going to have anything to play, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, no surprises here. I like the one of uh, uh, Creature Land. Um, It'd be cool if there was like maybe a better one you could play. Um, So I I love that you're trying to have something in there. But if you cut it, that makes um, it makes a lot of sense if, if you end up needing the that. yeah i haven't decided yet i might i might not it's 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 won me a couple games but it also it, it's usually ghost quarter bait and if i don't have any cards that are ghost quarter bait in my deck then their ghost quarters are just dead so i don't know sure um but yeah next we've got the suspend spells and no surprises here uh four ancestral visions four crashing footfalls these are sort of the zero drops and these are what you want to suspend or what you want to cascade into they both have zero mana and they suspend four for one blue and one green respectively the blue one draws three cards the green one makes two four four rhinos with trample, and I don't feel awful suspending these, but obviously they're mostly there to get cascaded into. Right, yeah, yeah. If one's just in your opening hand and you have nothing else to do, then yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna suspend it and get some uh, value off of it. But yeah, do you ever run into situations where you just absolutely need to hit crashing football uh, footfalls, and then you get uh, ancestral vision instead, and the game's just over? Uh, <clears throat> occasionally, um, I would say yeah, but typically no typically when i'm cascading i'm totally fine just hitting a decent two drop um okay yeah i don't even necessarily need to hit one of uh like a specific one of these or even necessarily one of these at all um it's 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 usually it usually ends up being pretty flexible honestly uh in terms of what i cascade into which is why both of them are still in the main board if i'm in a matchup where one of them is just bad like i know that my opponent is playing something that prevents me from putting tokens into play i'll obviously take out crashing footfalls uh, the sideboard also has a playset of um, Inevitable Betrayal in it, which is the suspense spell that goes through your opponent's deck and puts a creature into play, but I put it in the sideboard because, you know, there's creatureless decks and there's aggro decks that it's just not very good against. Yeah, that that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, just cascading into Ancestral Vision, like, is 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 good game pretty much no matter what you're doing. So, yeah, oh, that, yeah. That, makes, that makes a lot of sense that you're, you're totally fine with either, uh, with uh, hitting either of these. Yeah, I will say my partner plays um, green-white blink with flicker wisps, and I learned the hard way that um, if you inevitable betrayal the thrag tusk out of their deck, then they can flicker wisp the thrag tusk, and it comes back under their control. Ooh, uh, yeah, Ooh, which that's is rough. No point, no. Um, but yeah, uh, so next we've got the one drops, and this is very short, sweet, and to the point. <clears throat> Play set of lightning bolts and a ragavan. Um, Ragavan is currently like 70 bucks, and so I'm not going to be buying a new one, another one anytime soon. I think the list might want to, I think the list definitely wants two Jace, which is just a one of right now, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be tweaking it later, but the Ragavan is pretty, the Ragavan always gets removed when it comes out. I haven't, I, I, I've barely ever gotten to cast any spells off of Ragavan so far. Um, but, uh, it is definitely a very strong card. Uh, I hear if it hits your opponent, it's pretty good. Uh, I haven't got to do that yet. Um, but like, I don't know. Um, the lightning bolts are obviously tried and true. It's the best red card in modern. Um, and it's just, you know, it's early game removal or a lot of times, you know, you'll have two bolts in the hand. They'll be at six because you've been hitting them, you know, just double bolt them on their end step. Yeah. Uh, that makes, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Can't really go wrong with that. So those are the one drops. 
would you think about <coughs> so i know you only have the one ragavan um but it seems like you do like um having the card as removal bait if the card went down in price do you think that you would uh go up to like two or four or are you or are you thinking about maybe cutting ragavan and putting in something else uh you know um that you know you can get more copies of um do you like ragavan as a one of or are you looking to change that based on availability I think I will always at least play one Ragavan. My concern is like playing Ragavan turn one and then turn three playing Shardless Agent and cascading into Ragavan. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, know, that that would sense. feel bad. I don't think I'd go over two copies of Ragavan because of that, but I, I don't think it's like particularly likely that that happens. Like, I don't think you should like avoid playing one of the best cards in modern because of that. I would, I probably, I think this list is optimal if it has a second Ragavan and a second Jace, but I don't know okay. beyond that. Uh, but yeah, like because of budget reasons right now, it's just one Ragavan, one Jace. But I am saving up my store credit at my local game store to get a second one. I just haven't decided which one I'm going to go up to a second copy of yet. And I was actually hoping for your uh, thoughts on that after we talk about the list. Okay, yeah, I, I would absolutely uh, like to have that conversation. Yeah, these seem like good one drops. Yeah, so uh, these are the two two drops. And one of these is kind of spicy, and I thought of it myself, and I'm pretty proud. The other one is Ice Fang Coatl. Uh, it's the reason I'm playing the Snowlands. It's just... Um, uh, what's the Strix? Uh, Baleful Strix? It's, yeah, sorry, thank you. It's just Baleful Strix uh, with Flash, basically. It's pretty much always going to have Death Touch. It's great to cast on the end of your opponent's turn, draw a card, uh, and it's great to just... it's ca You cascade into it off of Shardless Agent, and that's three mana for a 2-2, two -two, a 1-1 one -one flying Death Touch, and a card. Yep, yep uh, that's yeah. a good game. This card's proved itself in Modern, for sure. Uh, it's definitely a house. Uh, it's not the kind of thing that's ever going to get a ban, but like any blue-green deck really feels like it needs to play Snowlands to play Ice Fang Quaddle. Uh, and this is something that you lose if you play the Crashcade uh, version. You don't get to play this, and I think this card's really strong. Uh, it's, it's great as like a removal spell that draws a card for anything that's attacking you, which is kind of insane. Uh, yeah, I, I just think Ice Fang Quaddle has proved itself as a four of in lists like this. Uh, and then the other card is Is It Charm, which is a very weird thing to see here, I know. Uh, it's one and a red for an instant, or it's a blue and a red for an instant. Choose one, um, Spell Pierce, Shock, or Faithless Looting. Mm -hmm. um, and the main reason it's in here is Baby Teferi. Baby Teferi, you basically just can't play the game against Baby Teferi. Your Suspend cards don't work, your uh, Cascade cards don't work. Um, so if a baby fairy hits the field, you basically have to like be able to bolt stomp it or like bolt um, rush ragavan and hit it. Um, so you're just in a really bad place. But is it charm gives you a counter spell, which you can leave up if they're on baby to fairy mana and counter it unless they pay two. But also isn't just dead if you cascade into it. If you cascade into it, the worst you're going to be able to do is faithless looting, which is still helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. Best case scenario, you're going to be able to shock a creature and kill it. Um, so I really like Is It Charm here just as, I, I was debating between this and Cryptic Command, and I just decided, you know, Cryptic Command, you know, often they're going to be able to get down a Baby Teferi under it because Cryptic Command costs four mana, and Is It Charm is just a two drop. Even if you go second, you will be able to counter Baby Teferi with it if you have it in your hand, so I am pro Is It Charm. What do you think yeah. about these two drops? 
Oh yeah, is it charm is so cool. Um, like I know that uh, you know power level wise, it's not the most powerful magic card we've ever seen, but it's so versatile at two mana, uh, and all three of these modes are just so good. It's definitely a uh, fire and ice uh, type situation card. Um, I'm actually really glad that you found this tech, uh, and it seems like your your reason for using is it charm makes so much sense. Like uh, um, I, I think it's a really smart inclusion to use is it charm that's like one of the cards where you see it and you're like oh this this takes this deck up another level um because of the very like um intelligent use of this um uh lesser known card yeah and i i, I will say i'll be honest i would not use this at all if baby teferi didn't exist there wouldn't really be any reason to play this but as long as baby teferi exists this is like my way to make sure that i don't lose to him and i think that matchup has gone from bad to actually good by not playing just the Crash Gate version, by choosing to include it as a charm. Yeah, that's that's very smart. And at Ice Fang Quaddle, I mean, no no complaints there. We we know how good these value cards are, so um, that's that's definitely a um, uh, an inclusion that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I like the I like the both of these cards quite a bit. <clears throat> so next we've got the three drops, um, and these are so Shardless Agent is in there for obvious reasons. It's you know three minute two two Cascade. Um, can't go wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> not much to say there. Obviously, yeah. it's very powerful. Uh, Bone Crusher Giant, which is seeing some modern play. I'm a huge fan of the card. I've known it was going to see modern play since it came out. It's just too much value to ignore. Uh, three mana, four, three. Whenever it gets targeted by a spell, that spell's controller takes two damage. And then it's got an adventure for one and a red. Damage can't be prevented this turn. Deals two damage to any target. It's an instant. Um... This card's amazing. Uh, if they somehow get down, if they get down a baby Teferi, this is one of your best shots at killing it. Um, it's just value. You if you cascade, uh, so Shardless Agent doesn't hit this off of Cascade because it's a three drop. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> um, Bloodbraid Elf. If Bloodbraid Elf cascades into this, you can either use the Stomp, the Shock Adventure, or you can just put down the Blood, uh, the Bone Crusher Giant immediately. Um, and oh, so it's yeah. just got a lot of versatility there. You get to kind of choose. Uh, so I really love Bone Crusher Giant here. And then Clothus God of Destiny is a two of. It really sucks when you draw the second one, which seems to literally always happen if you're playing more than one copy. Um, but it's almost unremovable, uh, and it's just a really, really good way to just drain your opponent out uh, and, and win the game um, kind of slowly. Uh, or ramp yourself up if you need to have a big turn later. Uh, but the And it also, you know, uh, it's not instant speed graveyard removal like a lot of graveyard removal needs to be in modern. But, you know, uh, it will take your opponent off of Delirium, which does matter quite a bit, um, especially because a lot of decks are playing that um, Dragon's Rage Channeler, which, you know, if you're just hitting a card out of their graveyard every turn, they're going to be off of Delirium pretty quickly. So Clothis is an all-star, uh, which I am very happy that it ended up seeing Modern Play because it was one of my favorite cards from that set. Oh yeah, you love Clothies. Like that was your go-to historic brawl deck, and uh, we've talked about it on this program before. So yeah, glad that Clothies, like you were able to get that card that you love in here, and it be just like a great card for this high power deck. Yeah. Um, so I, I, did, I did not know about Bone Crusher Giant having that versatility if you cascade into it from Bloodbraid Elf. That's a really cool interaction to to know about. Yeah, you get to you get to so um, when it when you cascade into it, uh, it's it's CMC is three, and then you get to pick when you, once you've cascaded into it. They they change this is because they changed the ruling to make Tybalt Valky not work. 
Oh, once it, you've yeah, once the spell is revealed, you choose a spell on that card with less CMC with less CMC than the Cascade spell, and they made it that way so that uh, modal dual face cards couldn't pick ones that were more expensive than the Cascade card. But it actually helps um, with Bone Crusher Giant, and I guess technically also with like uh, a lot a lot of the Crash Gate versions of this list also play um, uh, a God Brazen Borrower. Um, yeah. But here it's 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 Bone Crusher Giant. So yeah, interesting interaction that came out of them fixing a broken interaction. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, totally agree with all your um, uh, decisions here. Yeah, Bone Crusher Giant, very good card, um, and you get that extra little bit off of it. Yeah, this this just seems like a, a good suite of three drops. Yeah. So uh, last but not least, the four drops. There are four Bloodbraid Elf for obvious reasons, and these are a uh, playset of Bloodbraid Elves that I inherited from Will. Uh, yes, yes. Which, of course, I can give them back, but uh, he has insisted that now they are a gift, although they were originally lended to me. Um, and then one Jace the Mind Sculptor. Uh, I feel like this should go up to two. I don't know which one I should get first, but this one should also be a two of. Um, hmm. The main purpose of this, other than just, you know, coming down and bouncing a creature, and if they don't answer it, giving me some card advantage, is to brainstorm and put a... Uh, put exactly what I want to cascade into on top. So, like, if I have a Bloodbraid Elf in my hand and, like, I brainstorm... If after I've brainstormed... If after I've drawn the three cards off of his brainstorm, my hand consists of Bloodbraid Elf, Shardless Agent, Crashing Footfalls, I can put Crashing Footfalls on top and then Shardless Agent and then cast Bloodbraid Elf and then I'll cascade into Shardless Agent who will cascade into Crashing Footfalls and that's all guaranteed. Uh, it sort mm-hmm. of takes the RNG away. I can also put things back, and then since this is a ha- high fetch land list, there's ten fetches in it. Uh, it's very easy to shuffle away the things that I don't want if I'm like flooding on lands or something. Uh, oh, but yeah. Jace, you know, he's a tried and true card. He's obviously very good, and he's definitely earned his spot in this list. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, based on the question you asked me before, I think I would go to two Jaces. Um, you know, it just seems like it's just so much more. Um, uh, just a ton of value uh and it had, that synergy it has like you described seems like it's just very good like like jace is just a good card we don't need to uh prove that to, to anybody so yeah yeah I, I i would suggest going to two jaces and uh seeing how that plays but man i love blood right now that's such a good card uh definitely a card near and dear to my heart because i played a lot of uh Jund and Standard, and that's where those blood uh, Bloodbraid Elves came from. So, uh, glad to see that those Bloodbraid Elves are uh, still doing a ton of work in Magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I've been loving this deck. I'm going to play it for the foreseeable future. I'm probably going to change some stuff around, uh, you know, figure out what I like, but I am really liking my matchups as of right now. I think the, the list is, is doing pretty well. What are your thoughts on the deck overall? I love how you've taken the uh, Crash Cade list and uh, and made these changes to it to give it a little more game against some problematic cards. You have your own little flair on it. Um, I love this. I I I I think this this deck and like your reasoning behind it is a um um is positioning you well for a wide modern metagame. And I'm not surprised that you're finding success at your store with this list. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. I wish I could play against some slightly more competitive lists, but uh, I'm definitely having fun. Uh, yeah, and I'm glad you're having fun with Winota. Um, oh. So I'm glad, I'm glad we do these, uh, these, uh, these sort of deck review, what, what, what the Gutshot Boys are playing episodes every once in a while. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's good. Um, it, it, you can tell that both of us put a lot of thought into the decks that we talked about, uh, and it's and it's fun and also just uh, informative for myself. You know, like writing down my reasoning for why I was putting cards in the Winota list really helped clarify my philosophy for the deck. And I, I wonder if putting this together helped you think about your deck a little bit too. Oh yeah, definitely did. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm glad we did this episode. Uh, but with that said, we have a, uh, an end segment to get to. Yes. Uh, yes. Scoop step. Yeah, we're, we're moving on to our scoop step. This is our ending uh, segment that we do at the end of every episode, or almost every episode, where we have a little bit more fun. And we are excited about class enchantments. We were just uh, added to the most recent D&D set where you can play a card and assume a bard class or a wizard class like uh, Fred was talking about earlier or sorcerer class or rogue class. But we were thinking, what other classes could there be in Magic the Gathering? Because we both talked about how we found the class enchantment idea interesting, but we were wondering how it could be used in the future. So both of us uh, spent some time thinking about possible other class cards that could eventually come to Magic the Gathering. So we're going to share uh, the ones we came up with. Do you mind if, if I go first? Not at all. Go ahead. Okay, so um, I actually have two. Um, so I'm going to oh. start with my first one, and I tried to be very serious about this one. I tried to make a real Magic card, and this is Burn Class. Are you surprised? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Burn Class. I assume this would be a rare one red mana so level one and uh, again level one you get that immediately whenever you play the card and the other levels you have to pay mana or some cost to move up a level um so level one the bird class for one red mana if a player would gain life that player gains no life instead you know just a, a blanket kind of uh, you know turns life gain off you know good thing for any sort of um burn uh, burn player to have Here's where the spice ha uh, happens, though. Level two, three mana, R, R, R. You have to pay three red mana to move to mm -hmm. level two. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, burn class deals one damage to that player. So you get a little bit of a roiling vortex, sulfuric, uh, a sulfuric vortex text on there uh, for the extra three mana. But level three is where things get very spicy. Level three, okay. um, five mana. Uh, oh, did you have something you want to say? No, 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 I'm just following. Oh, okay, on. yeah. Uh, level three, two generic, uh, five mana, two generic, red, uh, two generic red, red, red. You know that could be, you know, um, tweaked, but it's you know heavy red, five mana. Burn class gains. Sacrifice a mountain. Burn class deals one damage to any target. So if you're Ooh. flooding out, you play this, you can get up to level three, you get the ability to just scoop up your mountains, put them in the graveyard, and uh, you know, like lava, lava axe your opponent or take care of some blockers, uh, and you get the ability to just do that. What do you think of this card? I think it's sweet. I think it's very will. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. it's an appropriate power level. Like the Leyline of Punishment effects for one mana... And then, you know, you have to invest three beyond that just to, to get the Roiling Vortex. And then later on, if you're unlucky enough to, like, need to use the last ability, then, like, it's pretty fine. Uh, does it make the Mountain do one damage, or does it make the Enchantment do one damage? The Enchantment deals the damage. Okay, so Torbran uh, yeah. is, mm -hmm. yeah, would like a word. Yeah, you can curve this off of Torbran. That's pretty powerful. But, yeah, I, th I think it's a pretty fair card. Uh, barring Torbrand interactions, which, I mean, I don't know. You can interact with Torbrand, so I don't think it's that bad. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of tweaking that could have this, but I, I like this idea. It's all, um, you know, good abilities that burn spells want, and it happens at a linear pace that I think is appropriate for a burn spell. You can't just play this on turn one and have it be the best card in your deck. You have to invest in it. But if you right. invest into it, you, you're getting a lot of value in it. So, uh, yeah, I, I like this uh, design probably more for like a standard or like a pioneer format, but um, I, I, I'm really happy uh, with burn class. I'm glad to hear you like it too. I'm very curious about what you came up with. Yeah, so I just did the one, and similar to the way that you did it, I, I, I kind of just made a class for the way that I like to play Magic, um, and I, I didn't give it a creative name, it's just Fred class. Sure. Um, so it's one and a green, uh, and it's just sort of a mono-green ramp creature combat sort of uh, class, and it's, uh, it's one and a green, a level one, creatures you control have Vigilance and Trample, um, so just sort of, you know, not quite an anthem, but two pretty relevant keywords. Uh, mm -hmm. Although, notably, keywords that are only relevant if your opponent's also using creatures. And then level 2, uh, for 2 and a green, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on target creature you control, and you gain 2 life. Uh, it should be okay. up to 1 target creature you control, I guess. You know, kind of an understated effect, but one that'll really like get away with the game uh, if you're not careful, and one that interacts with fetch lands in a positive way. Um, mm -hmm. And then level three for four and double green. At the beginning of your end step, create a three-three beast creature token. So okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I I thought about it like this can probably be as powerful as an emblem, even if you don't have to work as hard to get it to an emblem because the enchantment can be removed. So I think you know making it four and double green, you get a three-three at the beginning of each end step. So you'll get something immediately, and then like later on a little bit more. I think this is pretty fair and balanced and in line with what they've been doing with green cards lately. I would probably say this would be an uncommon, maybe a rare, because it can just keep making 3-3s three if it doesn't get answered. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm not surprised that you went down this road because you were talking about how much you liked Ranger class, which definitely yeah. reminds it reminds me of Ranger class, but it's a little a little bit different. Um, and it seems like we took the the same approach here. The first level is just kind of a blanket, makes kind of what you're doing just a little bit more powerful, and uh, you know, it just sits there giving all your creatures. Uh, you said a, tr a trample and vigilance, right? Yes, yeah, vigilance yeah. and trample. Yeah, that seems good for the uh, appropriate mana cost. Uh, and then, yeah, and then it, it's, it scales up linearly to where, you know, if you're you're able to get it up to the second level, you just get a little bit more value. You get that plus one, plus one counter in the life. Um, but then once you get, if you're able to take enough time off and mana off to get to that level three, then it's like, okay, this is a real card. You need to deal with this. And, and I think yeah. that a lot of the classes we've seen are like that, you know? You, you pay the cost of it not doing any much of it being a weak effect at the beginning and then putting time into it. No, I think this is, I love the way you scaled it. I think that that's a very um, smart, like game design way to think about it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I try to do smart game design. And it's also just you. Like if you said, uh, who, who do you know design this? I would be like, yeah, it's a Fred card. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a little transparent with that, but you said you have a second class. I do have a second class. Um, okay, so um, um, all uh, no no offense uh, de desired uh, intended. Um, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, all all that blah blah blah. Commander class, one green, oh. one white, one blue, three mana. Commander class, level one. If your starting deck size is ninety nine or higher, all spells 
costs one more to cast. No more asking will you pay the one because now everyone has to. <laughs> Alright, level 2. This is 1 generic, 1 green, 1 white, 1 blue, so for 4 mana. When this class becomes level 2, exile target card from the Universes Beyond series, put a shame counter on the card's owner. Let me tell you, the like the most like the scariest thing in magic, it's not like uh you know your opponent blood braiding into a crushing footfalls. It's nothing like that. It's bringing Rick's steadfast leader to a casual commander pod. Um nothing scares me in magic more than that. So um, no shame <laughs> counters for me. Level three. Seven generic green, white, blue. So seven, that is 10 mana, seven green, white, blue. When the current game reaches the 20th round of turns, I don't know how that would be templated in magic, but you all know what I mean. When the current game reaches the 20th round of turns, each player draws seven cards and gains 20 life. Because when you get to the 20th round of turns in a commander <laughs> game, why not go another 20 rounds of turns? Am I, am I right? You want it to right? keep going, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone's having fun. What do you think of commander class? Is this a card that you would play? Absolutely not. Um, but I don't <laughs> think that, that was the intention. Uh, that's. I'm not a big commander guy, as listeners of the show will know, although I'm warming up to it a little. Uh, a whole breacher got banned in commander today. Oh, yeah, uh, I saw that. By yeah. the way, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I think this perfectly encapsulates... I don't know. I, I think it could have. you could have done a better job capturing the flavor of everyone complaining. Um, sure. But I think I think it was it was pretty spot on. <laughs> the, took, the Rick Steadfast leader. <laughs> it took everything I had to not put a uh, overloaded Cyclonic Rift on here somewhere, but I felt, mm, no, that might be a little too good. I, <laughs> I didn't want... Com- yeah, I don't want Commander Class to actually be good. <laughs> <laughs> no offense taken commander players i do not understand you but i'm glad that you're here playing magic i'm glad you have fun playing magic in whatever horseshit way you find <laughs> okay okay so that being said thank you for listening to our clash enta- enchantments man this was we had a lot to say on this one how do you feel about wrapping this one up uh, I feel pretty good about wrapping this one up. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gut Shot. It really does mean a lot to us. You know, like the video if you like it. You can subscribe if you want more content and leave a comment and tell us uh, and complain about the commander class and how uh, we're a bunch of yahoos for uh, insulting your favorite format. If you want to, you can follow me at, uh, at Agra Rhetoric on Twitter. Frederick is at Fred Aspie on Twitter and at War Crimes on Twitch, and you can follow the show on Twitter at GutshotPod. This has been Gutshot, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that can venture into the dragon. See you next time. Later, folks.